to go there. Thank you, Brother Walden. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this evening? And this is the house of the Lord this week. Whether it is at any other time of the year, it is this week. And what a grand and glorious time we've been having, and I have been enjoying every moment of it. The preaching has been absolutely outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. The singing, the music has been wonderful. The fellowship has been great. And I have so thoroughly enjoyed being here. And my thanks to all of the sponsoring pastors of this great meeting for allowing me the opportunity to be here again this year. I have been here in the past and spoke over in the church and the meetings and was here last year just simply uh, to be here and enjoy the services and I appreciate the opportunity to minister to you tonight. Praise God. I feel God in this place. There was, um, there was an awesome presence of the Lord here today throughout the entire day. And I pray that all of that will be uh, recaptured again here tonight in the next while. And God can speak to us in his very own way. How many want the will of the Lord to be done? Thank you, Jesus. Would you lift your hands and pray with me right now? Thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. Hallelujah, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Speak to our hearts, Lord. I love you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. If you would please open your Bible tonight to the book of Luke, chapter 19. While you're turning there, Brother Walden was mentioned our meeting next week. We'd like to have every one of you to be there. Praise God. <laughs> Might be a little, little hard. A good ways from here to North Carolina, but uh, we'd love to have any of you to come that could and would. Brother Morton will be speaking. He is our last speaker the last night. And we are so excited about that and looking forward to his ministry next week in Durham, North Carolina, in our East Coast Conference on Revival and Evangelism. And you've got a preacher that's coming here in a few minutes after me to preach tonight. And what a fantastic preacher he is, and what a great friend he is, Brother Keith Clark. And I feel like I'm right in front of a Texas cyclone. And when that's the case, you better hurry up and get out of the way. I will get blown off the map. This man is a great preacher and a great friend. And I'm looking forward to hearing him. Luke chapter 19 and verse number 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. 
For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. I've read tonight from this 19th chapter of Luke, verses 41 through 44. The Bible simply says, and every preacher on this platform has preached from this chapter. And um, in this 41st verse, he said, when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. And then after he had wept over the city, he had something to say to them and about their condition. And I, I was preaching a, a little portion of this in the home church just a little while back and uh, thought that it was God's will and feel, still do, that it's God's will. Felt before I came and still do today in prayer that it's God's will that I talk to you tonight. My subject is the sin that makes God weep. The sin that makes God weep. Brother Wilson, would you come and pray? Pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this tremendous touch of the Holy Ghost in this meeting. Thank you for this man that is preaching to us tonight the integrity, the character. Anoint these lips to speak and anoint these ears to hear. Dear Lord Jesus, take us into the stratus of the Holy Ghost where your power can touch us one more time. I believe you for this. I thank you for this. I praise you for the sweet spirit. We give glory to you. Hallelujah. Would you praise him together? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for standing, and you may be seated. <clears throat> Crying, weeping, tears is often depicted in the scriptures as the result of a broken and tender spirit. The Bible teaches us that God will not despise a broken and contrite spirit. God will not despise that. The Bible in looking through both Old and New Testament has a good deal to say about weeping and uh, the place and the role that it has played in the lives of uh, both the ministry and to all of God's people. I read in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 4 that chapter that talks about a time for many things, and yet in the fourth verse it says there is a time to laugh and there is also a time to weep. Jeremiah was noted as a weeping prophet. And the Bible said in chapter 9 and verse 1 of Jeremiah, Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes were a fountain of tears, 
that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Jeremiah was weeping because of the sins of the people. And I believe that we need men and women tonight that can weep over the sins of the people that is all about us. In the 22nd chapter of Jeremiah, in verse 10, we are told to weep not for the dead, but for him that goeth away. We should weep for him that goeth away. He said, don't weep for the dead. There's nothing that you can do for the dead. Many people pray for the dead. Some get baptized for the dead. But the Bible tells us that we should not weep for the dead, but rather for him that goeth away. And even in our day, and even in our churches, and our cities, there are so many backsliders that if we could have somehow in this end time a revival of backsliders, it'd probably filled up, fill up most of our churches. Amen. And I believe that many of them are getting stirred and having a desire and seeing their need of coming back to God. This past Sunday morning in a little home missions church, where my nephew pastors in the state of North Carolina, my oldest brother, who has been away from God for about 35 years, he and his wife prayed through to a tremendous experience of the Holy Ghost Sunday morning. And what a joy it brought to my heart that my oldest brother, away from God almost 35 years, returned to the Lord. Perhaps I'm preaching to some backsliders tonight, and if that be the case, I want to tell you that it's time for you to return back to the fold. Hallelujah. I preach to people tonight that have backslidden sons and daughters and other members of your family, and I think we ought to pray for them. I think we ought to believe God that somehow there's going to be a mighty, dynamic, sweeping move of the Holy Spirit in this last day that not only going to bring those that have never known God into the kingdom, but also those that have once had a relationship with God that's going to bring them back into the family of God. And what a time of rejoicing it's going to be in all of our hearts when we see that happen. Praise God. In the book of Joel, chapter 2 and verse 17, the Bible says, Let the priest, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. And uh, we are told here that as we weep, we are to weep and pray that we would not give our, that our heritage would not be brought into a reproach and that the heathen would not rule. We are told here that the heritage of God's people would not be brought into reproach. And God help us to fulfill the desire and the prayer of Joel chapter 2 that ministers of God and saints of God might weep between the porch and the altar. I personally don't believe there's ever going to be a revival in our churches and in our hearts until we somehow learn to weep and prostrate ourselves in His presence and allow the beautiful presence of Almighty God to flow upon us 
Oh, God, help us tonight and touch us with a melted and yielded heart in the presence of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God hates pride. God even hates a proud look. But when we get broken and yielded and melted and submitted and surrendered in His presence, we are thus positioning ourselves for the favor of Almighty God to be upon us. And I believe that somehow in this beautiful arena tonight that the presence of the Lord is going to break up the fountain of the deep in many of our hearts and bring us spiritual renewal and spiritual refreshing. And I can tell you frankly that for one, I need that and I want that. I not only came here to preach tonight, I came here to be ministered to and I need the definite anointing of the Holy Ghost. Praise God, praise God, praise God. David was a man after God's own heart. And he said in chapter 6 and verse 6 of Psalms, I water my couch with my tears. And even Paul, that tremendous scholarly apostle of the New Testament church, said in Acts 20 and 31, I cease not to warn you day and night with tears. It seems like that every individual that God has been able to use has been people of a broken and a contrite spirit. Paul said again in 2 Corinthians 2 that I write to you with tears. And so tears, my friend, and weeping is not always a sign of weakness. But rather, I believe tonight it can be a sign of strength and of submission of oneself to the power of Almighty God. Hallelujah. And I pray from this pulpit all the way to the back of this auditorium tonight that the glory cloud of God's presence would come upon us and a spirit of submission to the Holy Spirit would so fill us that God could have his right away within our hearts tonight. We need that more than anything else in this world. Yeah. Hallelujah. Now Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. He was not the second person of the Trinity. Jesus is the almighty God. Hallelujah. He said, I and my Father are one. He said, when you see me, you have seen the Father. Praise God. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Jesus Christ is God manifest in flesh. But even though he was God manifest in flesh, yet there was more than one occasion in his life and in his ministry where tears and weeping was present. Now I've read to you one of those particular situations tonight 
when he came to the city of Jerusalem and he beheld the city and the Bible says that he wept over the city. Now, all of us believe in revival. We're not going to have revival until we can weep over our cities. I don't care if you're in California or North Carolina or anywhere in between. If you're in a large city or a small community, you're not going to have revival until you get broken, preacher, saint of God, until we begin to weep over our city. We are not going to have the blessed operation of the Holy Ghost. I say again tonight, may God break up the fountain of the deep that is within us that we may weep over the lost and dying of our city. Hallelujah. What is the sin that makes God weep? Perhaps some people might say in our day it would be the sin of drug addiction because that is a mammoth problem in the day we're living in. In New York City alone, we are told that there is over 500,000 people who are addicted to drugs on a consistent basis. We are told in a recent poll that 70% of all college students have tried drugs at one time or another, and about 52% of them on a consistent basis. And getting people off of drugs is going to take more than just say no. Hallelujah. It's going to take more than a nice little cliche or a little slogan to get people off of drugs. I believe there's an anointing of the Holy Ghost that's in this place tonight that can deliver anybody from drug addiction and set you free by the power of God. And as difficult a problem as it is, I still don't believe that drug addiction is the sin that makes God weep. Alcohol is a problem in our day, for we are told that there's some 30 million problem drinkers and alcoholics in America, and there's hardly a family that's represented in this building tonight, but what directly or indirectly your life and your family has been touched by the curse of alcohol. And yet alcohol, I don't believe, is the sin that makes God weep. What about lying? I read in the scripture today where all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. And it doesn't matter whether it's a white lie or a black lie or a small lie or a big lie. If it's not the truth, it's a lie. And all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. Can you say amen? But lying is not the sin that makes God weep. Stealing is another problem in our day. I read recently in USA Today where 20% of all the homes in America this year will be affected by thievery. 20% of all the homes in America. 
God help us, we're living in what you could almost term as a wild and godless society. Friend, we have never faced a chaotic, confused world that's so filled with sin and filth and strife as the day that we're living in. That's why I am convinced more than ever before that to reach our generation, we're going to have to have a red-hot Holy Ghost anointed church. An old, dry, dead, cold, stagnant religion is not going to affect our generation. It's going to take a mighty operation of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But stealing is not the sin that makes God weep. What about adultery, a common problem in our society? A recent uh, poll Gallup poll said that 78% of all adults, married adults who were polled, said they were unhappy in their marriage. 78%. 61% of them said that they were or had been involved in an extramarital affair. That's a nice way of saying it, isn't it? They used to have some other words, biblical terms, but now it's an extramarital affair. But adultery is a common problem in our day, and sometimes, according to the newspaper, it's even etched its way into some pulpits, but God help us, we've got to have a clean, separated ministry. Well, praise God, hallelujah. I said we've got to have a clean, separated ministry. The preachers that come to this pulpit and preach in your church week after week have got to be men of God, men of faith, men of principle, men of integrity, men of character. Men that live right and set an example before the congregation. We don't need adulterers in the pulpit. We don't need homosexuals in the pulpit. We need men of God that know how to get in touch with the Almighty. Hallelujah. Oh, God, help us. Hallelujah. And so adultery is an extramarital affair, and the homosexuals are simply an alternate lifestyle. But God's Word condemns it. And every true preacher of the gospel is going to take a stand against sin. I said every true preacher of the gospel is being called upon in this hour as never before to lift your voice like a trumpet and to take a stand against sin. But adultery is not the greatest sin that makes God weep. We hear so much about rape and incest and child molesters and wife beaters and all kind of problems and then rock music is on the scene and, and uh, we hear a lot about that. I'm going to tell you tonight, parents, that rock music and the devil working through it is after your kids. They're after your family. 
Don't you be like the proverbial ostrich and bury your head in the sand and say it can't happen to me. I'm going to tell you that Pentecostal young people that are being overwhelmed by this demonic spirit of rock music. I say it's not of God. I say it's of the devil. I say we need to clean it out of our homes, out of our lives, out of our hearts. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody shout hallelujah. That'd probably go also, and I'm sure it would, for all of these old sad country music bar room songs too. While we're cleaning out, bless God, let's just go ahead and do a good job. Come on, if you want a revival, it's going to work in the midst of a people that are clean and holy and upright before God. Hallelujah. I don't know the names of these rock music stars, so please forgive me if I, if I mispronounce the name. But from the, uh, from the uh, slip in the album, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome by Frankie Ghost Hollywood, here's what I quote. Manipulation of children's minds in the field of religion or politics would touch off a parental storm and a rash of congressional investigation. But in the world of commerce, children are fair game and legitimate prey. That's what they feel about your children. In an uh, article in the Rolling Stones, it said, I figured that the only thing to do was to steal their kids. I still think it's the only thing to do. By saying that, I'm not talking about kidnapping. I'm just talking about changing young people's value system, which removes them from their parents' world very effectively. From Mickey Six of the Motley Crew said, the one thing I got from Hitler was the idea of the Nazi youth. I believe in the motley youth. The youth of today are the leaders of tomorrow. They're young, they can be brainwashed and programmed. Hear me. On the album cover of Welcome to Hell by Venom it says, and I quote, we're possessed by all that is evil, the death of your God we demand, we spit at the virgin you worship and set it Lord Satan's left hand. Now friend, that's the kind of crowd out there that's trying to steal your kids, that's trying to steal your teenagers. And in preaching a few camps and youth camps across this fellowship, I've seen more than one young person come weeping and crying to an halter. And when you found out what was wrong, they were hooked on rock music. And they said, I can't seem to get off of it. I set free. But tonight at PSR conference, there is a delivering power from the curse of rock music. 
Hallelujah. 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 You may be seated. WASP member Blackie Lawless said, I like, I like to drink blood and torture females on stage. David Lee Roth of Van Halen said, interviewers always like to ask me about women and fraternity suits and all that. He said, I had to ensure myself against paternity suits. Nikki Six said again, all I can promise in this, in this room tonight, and I quote, is that it'll be the grossest, sickest, loudest album that anyone ever produced. Hear me tonight, young people. There's a devil that's after you. Hear me tonight, parents. There's a devil that's after your kids. Jimi Hendrix said, you can hypnotize people with music and when they get at their weakest point, you can say into their subconscious anything that you want to say and they'll receive it. I tell you that rock music is a curse in our day. And again, I preach to you tonight, if you're bound, there's a deliverer in the house. And it's not all just single young people. I found there's people in their 20s and 30s and 40s that are bound by worldly music. But my God is here tonight to bring about a deliverance and you can walk out of here free by the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's clap our hands for the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With all the problems that rock music and country music is calling, is causing, I still don't believe that's greatest sin that makes God weep. And then we come along in our day and we, we understand that there's a tremendous amount of filth and immorality and lewdness and moodness and all kind of problems that are the result of modern day television. I know some of these men have already talked about it, but I'm gonna go ahead and say what I feel like saying tonight. I said television is a pipeline of filth, of immorality, of lewdness, of ungodliness and the promotion of wickedness. If I was here tonight and I had one in my home, I'd walk out of here and I'd get rid of it just as soon as I got back home. Praise God. Well, I feel God in this place tonight. I believe I'm among a bunch of holiness-minded people that love God and love truth. Well, somebody shout hallelujah. You may be seated. I wouldn't give you a thin dime, if you'll pardon the expression, for a preacher that'll preach something at PSR that he won't preach at home. Praise God, you might as well say amen. If it's worth preaching here, it's worth preaching at home. And if you don't preach it at home, you ought not preach it here. 
Well, somebody shout hallelujah. You may be seated. Praise God. I was happy to have four brand new convert families to come up to me Sunday night and say, Pastor, we got rid of our television this week. And I think one of the reasons that they did was Sunday night a week ago, I let them know they ought to. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. Don't tell me they won't get rid of it when folks pray through and get right with God and get full of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, that sin is going to go. And the righteousness of God is going to take its place. And it's not altogether what you preach, but it's what you enforce. I can preach it till I'm blue in the face, but when I say, you can't come on this platform with one, when I say, lady, if you cut your hair, you're not coming on this platform. If you wear makeup, if you wear men's clothes, brother, it's not what you preach, but it's what you enforce, and we need pastors that'll say no. Come on, you say God won't bless it. I say that he will bless it. And the anointing of God will be upon it. Hallelujah. Why don't we just have church tonight? Why don't we just turn loose and let God have his way? Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Well, thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. I still don't believe the TV. All this problem is the sin that makes God weep the most. Not even video. And I don't have one. And I've never had one. And I have never watched a video movie in my life. And I'm 50 years old. And if I have it now, this is not a good time to start. But here in the 19th chapter of the book of Luke, the Bible says that he beheld the city and he wept over it. He cried. There were tears. And there was a reason. All of these things that I have mentioned are taking their toll on spirituality, consecration, and holiness in our day. 
But there was something that Jesus said when he looked out over Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem. In another place, he said, how often would I have gathered you together as a hen would her chicks and you would not. Here he said, if thou hadst known, at least in this thy day, the things which belong to thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. There's something that you can have. There's something that I want you to have, but your eyes are blinded and you can't see what I've got for you. Jesus was weeping when he said, Oh, Jerusalem, if thou hadst known, the truth was, they didn't know. And the tragedy was, they didn't care to know. They didn't want to know. I submit to this intelligent audience tonight that the greatest sin that makes God weep tonight is the sin of unconcern. The sin of apathy. That sin of I don't care. And preacher, you can preach anything you want to. It'll just go off of me like pouring water off of a duck's back. I don't care. You can preach. The choir can sing. The spirit can move. But it's not going to move me. I present to apostolic Pentecostals tonight that the greatest sin facing us in this hour is the sin of lukewarmness. The sin of indifference. The sin of unconcern and the sin of absolute apathy. Those spirits are eating at us like a cancer. The word apathy, among other meanings, means a lack of interest our emotion. A lack of interest our emotion. Secondly, apathy means insensitive. Thirdly, it means indifferent. Does that not rather depict the religious climate of 1990? A lack of interest, our emotion. Insensitive, indifferent. God help us. Oh, I know that spirit's not too common here tonight because this is a great meeting and a great conference, although everybody in this place is not prayed through. I sense that in the Holy Ghost. There are people here tonight that needs a brand new touch of heaven's power. And if you come and just sit on these seats and walk out of here without being moved in this service, then you'd better be careful because you may be guilty of committing the sin that makes God cry. Whoa, praise God, praise God. The sin that makes God weep is the sin of indifference. 
Oh, Jerusalem, if you'd have just known, but you don't know who I am, and you haven't really bothered to find out, and you don't know what I brought, and you're not really concerned, and you don't know the time that you're living in, and you don't understand these precious moments that I'm spending with you, but the main thing is, the bottom line is, you just don't care. You just don't care how many of us have ever walked into a church and a pulpit to preach and that kind of spirit was prevalent that kind of spirit was there i don't care let you sing let you preach let you testify do anything you want to do try to move me preacher try to shake me preacher you can't move me you can't shake me i'm going to tell you what i came tonight but there's a power of the holy ghost that some of us in this building need to get tuned in to that'll turn us inside out and bring about an apostolic revival in our hearts. I plead to those tonight that need a move of God to open your heart and allow God to have his way in you. Not only is there a sin that makes God weep, but there's also a sin that makes him sick. I said there's a, there's a sin that causes him not only to weep, but there's a sin that causes him to get sick. Revelation chapter 3 to the Laodicean church. It's already been talked about so eloquently here in this meeting. But we see that there's a sin, and the only sin that I know of that made God sick came from a so-called apostolic Pentecostal church. Hallelujah. God knows that those in the bar need to be touched and those at the ballparks and theaters need to be touched and those at the worldly places need to be touched. But oh, friend, when apathy, lukewarmness and indifference and calloused unconcern begins to grip those of us that have been spirit-filled and we sit through service after service and no move of God and no breath of the Spirit and no touch of God and no tongue talking and no aisle running and no shouting and no dancing then God says your lukewarmness makes me sick at my stomach God said I would that you were cold or hot but because you are neither cold nor hot and because you are lukewarm I will spew thee out of my mouth God can take the gross sins out there that I've just talked about tonight, but there's something he doesn't want to tolerate, and that's the spirit of unconcern when it comes to his very own blood-washed people that have been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, you know what God wants to do in this place tonight? I felt the assurance in prayer before I came here. 
I felt it again today. God wants to take every one of us, not just the special few, not just the shouters, not just the ones that do it every service, but God wants to reach all the way back to the back seat in this auditorium and turn something on inside of us that will give us a brand new fire and a brand new faith and a brand new zeal and a brand new desire and a brand new determination will we let it happen God said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I'll vomit you up. God said, lukewarm Christians make me sick. God said, Christians bound by apathy make me sick. Christians that are indifferent make me sick. I've brought them out of sin. I forgave their sins. I've washed them away in Jesus' name. I filled them with the Holy Ghost. They talked in tongues, but after they get it, they fold their hands as if to make an announcement. I've got it. Now leave me alone. But I want you to know the Holy Ghost is wanting to drill its way into your spirit tonight and say, I don't care how long you've had the Holy Ghost, you need to be touched again. You need spiritual renewal again. You've had it 50 years, thank God. Let's be touched again. You've had it 40 years. Let's don't let the new converts do all the shouting. Let's don't let the new converts do all the worshiping. Come on, come on. Some of us that's had the Holy Ghost a long time need to show these new converts how to worship God. Hallelujah. But you know what's happening in our day? Somebody said it. Christians are getting used to the dark. We're up against the power that controls this dark world. We're up against spiritual agents from the very headquarters of evil. There's a slow, subtle, sinister brainwashing process that is gradually desensitizing us to the evil that is all around us and little by little sin is made to appear less sinful and the church if you please the church is becoming homogenized absorbed and assimilated into this age until in many cases you can't tell who is or who ain't the church is getting worldly and the world is getting churchy and it's hard to tell who is and who ain't. 
But in the midst of this maze of spiritual confusion, God is raising up an apostolic army of believers that are afraid of nothing. And they are determined to see us all take this church out of here in a blaze of apostolic glory. Somebody shout hallelujah. You may be seated. I don't intend to go much longer, but allow me to say just a few other things tonight. Pentecost's greatest sin is apathy. Pentecost's greatest sin is indifference. We won't have any trouble with adultery if we get full of the Holy Ghost. We won't have any trouble with TV and rock music if we get full of the Holy Ghost. I submit to this audience tonight, we won't have any trouble with worldliness if we can get full of the Holy Ghost, if we can drive apathy and indifference out of our lives. Brother, we'll be a rapture-ready church that God will be well pleased with. Indifference and apathy is the cancer that's eating away at our spirits. Does not the scripture say, our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud? Does not Amos 6 say, woe to them that are at ease in Zion? Was not the problem with the marriage that Jesus talked about in Matthew 22 that they made light of it? And some went to their uh, ways, some to their farm, some to their merchandise. They just simply didn't have time for the things that the king had provided for them. I tell you, apostolic church, God has provided something great for us tonight. There are healings and signs and wonders and miracles that God's got for this church. If we can so position ourselves under the canopy of the Holy Ghost, I tell you there's nothing that my God can't do. There's nothing my God can't do. In the last two weeks, I've seen God heal cancer. In the last two weeks, I've seen God heal high blood pressure. In the last two weeks, I've seen God heal a man from a heart attack, and he's already back on the job. I want to tell you something, that God is ready to bless this church and to manifest his power, but oh God, let's kill the spirit of indifference. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many 
shall wax cold. That's where we are, church. The love of many shall wax cold. And please don't feel that I'm here to condemn. I realize I'm here preaching to the cream of the crop, preachers, saints alike. I'm not here, and I hope you don't feel. I have not come from North Carolina to condemn you. I'm telling you, we're all in the same boat tonight. We're fighting the same spirits. We're fighting the same devil. We're fighting complacency. We're fighting lukewarmness. But I tell you, it's a worthy fight. Come on, rise up. Put on the whole armor of God. Let's get into battle. It's time that we win for Jesus Christ. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost here. I'm preaching some great people, great preachers, great saints, but I preach to a few that need some fire to burn on the altar of your heart. I preach to some that's been too long since you talked in tongues. It's been too long since you shouted. It's been too long since you danced in the Spirit. Please be seated. Moses said to the children of Israel and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war? And you sit here? Shall your brethren go to war? And you sit here? I ask you tonight, Pentecostals. Are you going to let somebody else worship? And you sit here? Are you going to let them knock the doors? And you sit here? Are you going to let them run the bus routes and you sit here? Are you going to let them teach the Bible studies and you sit here? Or will you rise up and say, bless God, I've got a part in this too. And I am going to work for God. I know what some of you are saying. Sit down. I know what some of you are saying. You're saying, I can't do it. I can't teach a Bible study. I'm here to tell you you can. You say, I can't run a bus route. I'm here to tell you you can. I enjoyed seeing those buses at your church last night, Brother Morton. I like that. Praise God. I'm telling you, you can run a bus route. You can teach a Bible study. You can knock a door. You can win a soul. You can do something for God. Don't let your brethren do it while you sit here. Accept the challenge tonight and say, I am going to be a participant in the church of the living God in this hour. Praise God. Praise God. I don't think it would work for everybody. My former district superintendent, Missouri brother, Winford Black said this one time, he's dead now. When I was pastoring in Missouri, I heard him preach often, and he told this story. When he pastored in Kansas City, Missouri, he knocked on the door in a neighborhood, inviting folks to church. And the lady came to the door and told her who he was. 
She said, I don't want any of your religion. Used a few other choice words. Slammed the door too. And if you knew Winford Black, you didn't stop him too easy. So he went around to the back door of the same house and knocked on the door. And the same lady came to the door and started to say a lot. But before she could, he smiled and said, what do you happen to know the grouchy lady that lives in the front part of this house? She swallowed real hard and said, well, come on in. Brother Black went in the house that following Sunday morning she was in church baptized in Jesus' name two weeks later filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you we don't know what we could do if we would shake off the spirit of lethargy, lukewarmness, indifference, apathy, unconcern. There is no telling what we can do in this hour. Come on, let's get bold for Jesus. Let's get bold for Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please be seated. There's some folks that are ashamed of Pentecost. They're ashamed of apostolic worship. They're saying when we have certain people come, we ought to tone it down, quieten it down. Quit talking in tongues, quit shouting. We got the mayor, we got representative, we got the governor, we got this one and that one here. Bless God, I don't care who's here. If you come through the door of salvation, bless the Lord, you're going to have to come through it just like I did. Hallelujah. I don't think we need to tone it down. I don't think we need to quieten it down. Everybody that's on the Lord's side needs to be identified tonight. I'm not ashamed of singing. I'm not ashamed of shouting. I'm not ashamed of hand clapping. I'm not ashamed of tongue talking. I'm not ashamed of apostolic worship. It has brought us to this point and we don't need charismatic worship. We need old time apostolic worship. That'll bring God to us. Please be seated. Glory. Glory. Who was that and said, Shine on? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Some of you probably heard about the old. Irishman, go ahead, brother. That's all right, too. If that offends your dignity, you need to get your dignity crucified and hid behind the cross.
Hallelujah! we need to do in Pentecost we need to lose our dignity we need to lose our pride we need to lose our starch I don't care if I get my hair messed up I don't care if I perspire a little bit I don't care what happens I want to shake lethargy the sin that makes God weep I've got to shake it tonight so I can have a personal spiritual renewal. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I somehow believe that if God's looking down and he is upon this convention center tonight, he's not weeping. The tears have been wiped away. I believe there's a smile on his face as he sees hundreds of apostolics that are shaking lethargy and apathy and warning revival more than anything else in the world. You may be seated. Musician, get ready. I'm fixing to close right now, just in a moment. My God in heaven. My God in heaven, help us. It's time for revival now. It's time for revival now. It's not six months from now. It's not four months and then cometh harvest. It's time for revival now. It's time for prayer now. It's time for fasting now. It's time to worship now. It's time to give now. It's time to pour ourselves out at his feet now. You may be seated. The old Irishman walking through the through the cemetery at midnight, reading the epitaphs on the tombstone. What a job. Half drunk. Going along reading epitaphs on tombstones. Finally he come to one and in the glimmer of the moonlight 
He read it and it said three words, I yet live. He was half drunk and he was dark. He backed up and read it again out loud, I yet live. Shook his head. Reached back up there close to it and read it again. And it said, I yet live. And he said, buddy, I don't know who you are and I never met you. But he said, if I was dead, I wouldn't be ashamed to admit it. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight, if your life is dead, and you've been hid with Christ in God, if you're crucified with Christ, then I wouldn't be ashamed to admit it. The whole world needs what we got here tonight. The whole world needs what we got. Every denomination needs this. Every group needs this. The Holy Ghost, the fire that shut up in our bones. Pentecost, remain standing with me. Pentecost greatest sins, neglect, lukewarmness, unconcern, indifference. I don't care. I don't want to get involved. Let somebody else do it. And yet I read in the scripture where it says, how shall we? And we preach that to the sinner, but it wasn't exactly written to the sinner. How shall we escape? If we, everybody say we, if we neglect so great salvation, Hebrews 2 wasn't written to sinners, it was written to the church. How shall we escape if we neglect? Sit on a pew. Don't get involved. Sometimes I'd rather deal with people with gross sins in their life than to deal with self-righteous Pentecostals that are singing, I shall not be moved. Glory. We don't need to sing, I shall not be moved tonight. We need to sing, he set me free. I'll fly away. Some that morning we shall see Jesus in the air. My God, it's time to be moved by the unction and the power of the Holy Ghost. God is gathering a people for his coming. The days of Noah marked by unconcern. Days of Sodom and Gomorrah unconcerned Proverbs 10 he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame it's not wrong to sleep and it's not wrong to have harvest but it's wrong to sleep in the harvest and that's what some Pentecostals are doing and God is wanting a last day church that will rise up with the power and the glory of his presence and have a revival that will shake our generation.
You know, in the last few months, I've always been kind of radical. But in the last few months, I decided that I just didn't care what anybody thought about it. Praise God. You know, they tell me the nice, cool, suave way to build a church is go after the doctors and the lawyers and the business and professional people and ignore the down and outers. And, and, and that's what they tell us. And I read in the scripture where it says go in the highways, the hedges, compel them to come in. My house may be filled. Go to the lame, the poor, the halt, the blind, the withered, the down and outer. You say you can't build a church that way. God said you could, and I'm crazy enough to believe. I said I'm crazy enough to believe it. When the Spirit of God gets a hold of them, they'll get cleaned up and fired up and prayed up, and they'll make saints of God. And don't you doubt that for a minute, friend. So I told our church, we're running between four and 500 every Sunday, and I said, okay, we're gonna revolutionize this church. We're gonna do it different. Some of them thought we was fixing to go out of the bus ministry. I said, no, we're gonna buy some more. So we bought eight more buses at one time. Praise God. Say, so you can't pay for them with a bunch of down and outers. Yes, you can. If you're doing the work of God, God will help you. If you're doing it for men, he's not going to help you. It's time for a showdown and find out what we're doing it for, what our motives are. I'm not interested in counting a bunch of heads and see if I can now count somebody. But every soul is precious. Every soul needs God. Every soul needs the truth. And it's time for us to get up and do something about it. And so, we had about 25, 30 people involved in bus ministry. I said, I'm making an altar call tonight for some more bus workers who will become dedicated and consecrated, not goers. I don't want anybody unless you're willing to spend at least a minimum of four hours a week. Minimum. Church was over. I counted the people that came to sign up and had 85 adults. I said, all right, let's go. And I thought maybe they would just move by the, a moment, and that was several months ago. Now then we have over 90. We've had some more to join us. And you know what we're doing? Going out and getting a bunch of old dirty-nosed kids, if you'll pardon the expression. We're getting a bunch of old drunks and alcoholics and drug addicts. Down and outers and losers. Go ahead and condemn me if you want to. I'm having the time of my life. Every Sunday, we're bringing them in on the bus ministry. Every Sunday, we're bringing them in from the jails and prisons. Every Sunday, we're bringing them in from the rest home. Every Sunday, we're bringing them in from the homeless shelters. 
I don't know what next Sunday's going to bring, but I'm here to tell you that all the bills are paid so far. Hallelujah. And when we got the count last Sunday, those people that nobody else wanted, there were 623 of them that rode our buses to the house of God and 38 of them were in the altar and eight of them got the Holy Ghost and five of them got baptized. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I say, Jesus, if you can shake us and wake us, we can have a revival. Don't tell me we can't, we can't. Praise God, praise God. My oldest daughter and son-in-law, never won souls, hardly in their life got turned on to Bible studies and got their own bus around. My daughter can play the organ well on the piano, but the greatest thing that I'm happy with her about tonight is the fact that she's become a soul winner and she weeps over souls. And every Sunday morning at 6.30, she's up and out there on that bus route. All I know is it's working, and daddies and mamas are coming and getting baptized and getting the Holy Ghost. All I know is that Stacy's a young boy that never won a soul to God, a single boy. Hear me, young man. And he got turned on three or four months ago, and he had 42 on his bus last Sunday, and he never went to a seminar on bus ministry in his life. I just know if we can shake apathy and lethargy, we can have revival. My God, do you want to get involved? The sin that makes God weep is I don't want to get involved. Somebody else teach a Bible study. Somebody else run the bus route. Somebody else get up early. Somebody else do with the kids. Somebody else teach a class. Somebody else. Somebody else pastor. Not me. Not me, preacher. I, I dress too nice. I'm, I'm in another category. I, I don't believe I could do that. I'm going to tell you, if your suit's too good to run a bus route with, you might ought to trade it off and go down to Goodwill and get you another one. Hey, if we're going to get to be apostolic, we're going to quit calling some people out, and we're going to say, bless God, we're going to reach every soul we can. I don't care who they are. I don't care who they are. They're precious to God, and I care about them. I'm not even going to ask you to come to front. I don't want to infringe any further on Brother Clark's time. I'm closing with this. But if you want to be used of God, I don't care if it's in a bus route or a prison or a, or a rest home or a jail or door knocking or whatever it is. Three old boys come back into church last Saturday afternoon. I, 
I was there, I just flown in from preaching a meeting in Michigan, got there about two or three o'clock in the afternoon, came on the church grounds and here they came in the car. They said, Pastor, we just knocked $400 today. $400. A few weeks ago, they said, we're timid and we can't do it. Now they said, we're not $400. They had a whole gang of new ones there Sunday. And I'm preaching to some people tonight that are soul winners. I'm not implying you're not. But I'm also preaching to some that have the capacity, the capability. You can do it. And God wants you to do it. And if you're willing for God to use you, I don't want you to come up front. I want you to step out in the aisle and I want you to stand in one of these aisles right now. If you want to be used of God to be a soul winner, the sin that makes God weep is unconcern, indifference, lethargy, not me. Can any of you preachers want to pray for somebody? If you saints want to pray with somebody else, the musicians are going to sing. And I want you to dedicate your life right now. This is not a one-night show, but I want something to get inside of us to say from this night on, I am going to be used of God. I am going to win a soul. I will allow the Holy Spirit to move me. <laughs> Singers sing it in Jesus.
his word tonight.